Good morning. It's Thursday, the 6th of July and I'm Govind Raj Ethiraj coming to you from Mumbai, India's financial capital and most rocking and reigning city in the world right now. Our top reports and themes for the day. Indian markets hit new valuation highs. Foreign investors are now tired of other countries. The big bike battle starts. It's Bajaj versus Hero versus Enfield. How India's flex office or flexible office sector is exploding. An online pharmacy is said to take a massive surgical cut in valuation. This is a core report with Govindraj Atiraj. I met with a well-known fund manager yesterday who told me that most major investors, particularly those who invest in emerging markets like India, are now tired and growing impatient with big markets like China or even smaller ones like South Africa. The word tired and impatient are somewhat new to me in this space. And hence, I thought I'll point it out. Last week, by the way, Goldman Sachs brought its 12-member board into India after around 10 years. The board also met with Prime Minister Modi. Now, the last I heard about a major bank or global corporation bringing its board into India was perhaps around that time too, which is a decade, and in any case, some years before the pandemic. And I've already met two people from fairly diverse worlds who have interacted with the same 12-member board of Goldman who came visiting and who said that the former seemed quite struck by the fresh set of India opportunities. Though both the people I met had also concluded that India was benefiting on a relative scale rather than absolute. Whichever way, foreign investors are pumping in money into the Indian markets now, having bought $10 billion worth in the April to June quarter, highest since the October to December 20 quarter, going by reports. Now, all this, more importantly, is spiking prices and valuations. The market valuation of all listed firms on the BSC hit a lifetime high of 300 lakh crore rupees for the first time on July 5th, both in rupee and dollar terms. Total market capitalization of all listed firms on the BSE has risen almost 19% in the last three months. The Sensex, meanwhile, snapped its five-day upward run and settled 33 points lower at 65,446 on Wednesday. And the Nifty 50, on the other hand, ended at 19,399, up 10 points, rising for the seventh consecutive session. How India's flex office sector is exploding. Now, we are going to talk about office spaces, but before I come to that, you may find it interesting to note that you have to be a crorepati, or increasingly so, to buy a house at least 30% of the time in India. Put conversely or differently, residential houses above 1 crore rupees accounted for nearly 30% of sales versus 25% in the first half of last year, according to a new report from real estate consulting firm Knight Frank. Thus, the premium residential segment is now growing across India. In general, prices are rising and so are sales in most parts of the country as are new homes being built. The highest price rise in the last six months was in Hyderabad. So in case you want to buy or hedge against the next rise in this city. There are some very interesting trends in commercial space to get back to our headline. First, India-facing businesses or companies that do consumer-facing businesses in the country are investing in new office space, including expanding into corporate headquarters in some cases. Broadly, this reflects domestic economic growth and I reckon the perception that there is more of it coming. Now, this is obviously being driven more by larger companies. 
In keeping with this, office space vacancy has reduced in many parts of India. Remember, however, that other sectors like traditional IT services, big eaters of new space, are not growing as much and are grappling both with hybrid workforces as well as lower business demand. Though the global captive centers, who are local arms of various parent companies in areas ranging from finance to retail, mostly in North America and the Eurozone, continue to grow. But the big news is this. Flexible or flex spaces are showing dramatic growth, up 26% and have hit records in growth and volume numbers. Now, flex in some ways is the opposite of the above, where people are not willing to plonk down in a permanent way, at least for some time. Or maybe you could call it a transition phase before you look for a glass and steel building atop which you affix your corporate logo. To understand all of this in some detail and what is going on in office space right now, and more importantly, where it is headed in coming months, I'm joined by Viral Desai, Senior Executive Director at Knight Frank. So uh, the last six months, I think to everyone's surprise, given the global economic backdrop, the office markets have actually held up very well. Some of the key insights that we see, it follows the global trajectory. So commercial real estate demand, we map it into four buckets. The India-facing business, where Indian companies are taking space to service their Indian consumers and all businesses that service Indian consumers when they take space. So that is bucket one. Bucket number two is the third-party IT services firms where you know they pick up jobs from global MNCs from an outsourcing standpoint and offer various solutions within the larger technology domain, ranging from BPO to you know far more complex solutions. And there are a bunch of these third-party large IT services firms, both Indian and multinational. They're executing work out of India, basis talent and cost arbitrage. And then, you know, they're essentially doing work for global MNCs. So that is the second bucket. The third bucket is the global capability centers where multinational firms based out of uh, uh, North America and Europe, when they set up their own technology centers directly into India, for example, let's say the large global automobile giant sets up their technology center to manage technology for their global operations. And that's a GCC. So that's the third bucket. And then the fourth bucket is the managed office space where managed service providers or flex service providers or co-working space providers take space on lease. And each of the other three buckets take space within them. Now, what we've seen is that the Indian economy is doing very well. And that segment of the business, the India-facing business, their share of space take-up in India has gone up dramatically and we see that trend which has played out in the last six months and is likely to follow as the Indian economy is doing well and it's anticipated that more manufacturing will follow suit. So the outlook also is very strong for India-facing businesses taking more space here. The second big trend is that third-party IT services firms which were Essentially, the drivers of commercial real estate over the last 30 years, they've taken a backseat. Given global multinational companies are going slow and they service various sectors, right? So their share of commercial real estate has gone down, but the India-facing business has done well. Uh, within India-facing, what are the top three sectors you would say, which are you know currently in that expansionary mode? I think in this period of time, and which is great about India, is India is firing across sectors. So whether it's banking, where most banks and in fact most companies 
have their balance sheets cleaned up. So banks are taking a lot of space. I would say generally manufacturing companies, they are taking corporate spaces for their corporate headquarters. And if you ask me, it's actually well spread out because if you have defense doing well, aerospace doing well, retail doing well, FMCG doing okay, manufacturing, automobiles doing uh, very well and banks doing very well because banks sort of represent the basket of the economy, right? You mentioned many of them are taking corporate headquarters. Are you seeing a consolidation within this space as well, within the India-facing businesses in terms of the way they are coming together? It's, it's actually growth-driven and consolidation is a part of the strategy because companies have been cautious over the last so many years, you know, and they've taken space as and when they want. But now, when you're looking at a, you know, brighter, more visibility of how things are panning out, etc. So it's a combination of expansion and also a consolidation of space. Let's also remember that in the last three years, while the India-facing business has had almost 100% return to office, technology sector still lagging behind on that front as well. You know, there's more hiring anticipated. Uh, and then there are other drivers with respect to quality upgrade, you know, harnessing talent. So it's a combination of things. But primarily being for India-facing business expansion-led space takeoff. So the new interesting figure seems to be flex spaces and that has shown a big growth. Tell us about flex spaces and why that's growing and whether it'll continue in this manner. So flex spaces is now a sub-segment of commercial real estate. It's a subset of commercial real estate and the drivers of growth fundamentally are on two accounts. One, I was a conventional space occupier any company and now I want certain portion of my space for various reasons to be into a flex or managed office. So that's one growth from conventional going into managed. The second is I'm a new business, you know, there's uncertainty. I don't want to put in capex, you know, I'm happier on shorter leases and hence I will take up space with the managed service provider. Managed service providers are filling that gap between the developer and the occupier where they are providing the end-to-end -end service. So, you know, it's a growing segment. Today, across the country, about 25% of all space take-up perhaps is uh, with managed service providers. And this segment in this current environment thrives because it's volatile, it's dynamic. But from a long-term standpoint also, it's a actually a solution. You know, if someone can give you everything, then why not take it up? It's an interesting duality because at one end you have the India-facing businesses which are expanding with concrete presence, including in corporate headquarters and so on. On the other hand, you have clearly uh, maybe smaller companies who are going for the flex solution because it offers them what flex means, which is flexibility. You're absolutely right. And I would say that for a flexible office space, the driver of demand, yes, it is a huge factor, you know, the flexibility, given the markets being the way they are. But at the same time, I would also emphasize to say that for an occupier, I have to first lease space, fit it out, and then manage it, right? If I can get a bundled solution, uh, then maybe perhaps, uh, you know, it's a matter of how I look at my cash flows. But that also is a huge driver that people feel that I can outsource this element and I can get a single solution under a window, then why not take that up as well? So that's another driver for growth for managed or flex operators. Uh, Viral, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks. It's a big bike battle. 
There is a new battle that has almost suddenly erupted and that is in what is known as the fast growing middleweight category in motorcycles or between 250 and 750 cc engine size. I know it sounds like a boxing match and it could well become one. There is another angle here of a fight but between brothers. More on that in a short while. Bajaj tied up with iconic British brand Triumph in 2017, the same year it officially parted with Japanese bike major Kawasaki, with whom it made smaller-sized engine bikes. Now, Bajaj and Triumph have launched the Triumph Speed 400 and the Triumph Scrambler 400X in India. The Speed 400 takes its styling inspiration from the Street Twin 900 and has been priced at 2.33 lakh rupees, which my automotive journalist friends say is a totally knockout price. Meanwhile, Hero Motor Corp, who parted with Honda in 2010, has now launched the Harley-Davidson X440, again a mid-sized bike developed in collaboration actively with Harley-Davidson, the price 2.29 lakh rupees. So why are the Triumphs and Harleys priced so closely? Well, because both are gunning for Enfield, which as you know rules the 350cc segment with its Royal Enfield Classic 350cc and Meteor 350cc. The Royal Enfield 350cc motorcycles are the highest-selling mid-capacity bikes in the country and by a fair margin, or more specifically, over 90% of the market, and we will come to that too in a moment. From a manufacturing standpoint, these are interesting shifts, even if they've been in the offing for some time. For both Bajaj and Hero, it's a firmer acknowledgement that there is a premium market that they see potential in and need to go after immediately. And second, they are better off serving this segment through a branded joint venture and one where the joint venture partner's name is pretty well known globally. The joint venture is symbiotic because importing at scale to go after a larger market is not feasible for a foreign brand like Triumph or Harley and the Indian partners, Bajaj or Hero, want to extend and have considerable brand marketing and distribution reach. You may remember US President Donald Trump saying in 2019, that 50% tariffs on Harley-Davidson motorbikes in India were unacceptable. That, of course, led later to Harley-Davidson deciding to scale down in a manner of speaking and come back to India in a proper manufacturing partnership, in this case with Hero. Interestingly for Bajaj, this is the second such partnership. It joined hands with KTM, an Austrian bike company. It took a 14% stake in 2007 and then took it up to 49% in coming years. Obviously, Enfield is going to fight back to protect its turf and presumably also grow into this market. The company will launch the Royal Enfield Himalayan 450, built on a completely new platform. Also remember that many of these battles are also global battles, as Enfield, for example, is fairly strong with its older Bullet brand and its newer Interceptor 650 and Continental GT650 in international markets. A veteran auto journalist I spoke to told me he was impressed with the Triumph's pricing and, of course, the bike. He was a little less sure of the Harley, including the looks of this avatar, and would rather wait and see how it did on the roads. He also felt that Enfield's response would be strong, though how much was early to tell. Stock brokerages like Jefferies and Nomura have broadly given Hero the thumbs up, also because of the premium segment move, which is believed to be 90% controlled by Royal Enfield, as I mentioned earlier. By the way, Nomura says that the high gross margins of 43% for Enfield or 75,000 rupees per bike make the segment attractive for new players. Yes, 43% gross margin for a motorcycle. So, if you're an investor, or maybe not, in Bajaj Auto, Aisha Motors, which owns Enfield, or Hero Motors, this is your moment to start looking at them closely. 
iShare has been down 7% in the last 5 days to close at 3133 as of yesterday. Bajaj Auto was up 6% to close at 4900 rupees again in the last 5 days. And finally Hero was up 10% to close at 3135 yesterday also in 5 days. Now coming back to that fight between brothers I referred to in the beginning. I am motivated in no small measure by the great success of my younger brother Siddharth that Siddharth Lal the managing director of Aisha Rajiv Bajaj the managing director of Bajaj Auto told CNBC TV18 in an interview earlier Siddharth Lal apparently referred to Rajiv Bajaj as his elder brother in an interview a few years ago when we were tiny and we needed guidance he that's Rajiv Bajaj opened his doors but he also closed off his comments to the economic times by saying we always had an amazing friendship there is no doubt about that but at the front end it is all competition a pharmacy is set for a surgical cut online pharmacy company farmeasy is set to raise fresh funds at a staggering 90% discount to its last valuation of 5.6 billion dollars Put differently, this is a sharp down round, as it's known in that industry, and of course reflects both the state of the market and the state of the company, which is losing value and is debt-ridden. The company has apparently informed its board and investors that plans to raise around 2,400 crore rupees through a rights issue at a 90% discount to its stock price to repay a loan from Goldman Sachs. Sources told the Economic Times tech supplement. Existing shareholders TPG and Temasek are apparently leading the rights issue sources told BET. Now Farmeasy's parent API Holdings will issue new stock at 5 rupees per share in the rights issue according to documents apparently seen by ET. In contrast the company had raised funds at 50 rupees per share. The Mumbai based platform which also owns or bought out diagnostics firm Thyrocare was valued once again at 5.6 billion dollars in 2021. Like many other e-commerce businesses, I have wondered about and grappled with the valuations that have been associated with this sector. But possibly others know more than me or at least knew then. The larger point is online pharmacies. From my own experience, they work very well for some products, but it's equally likely that you will find most of those products which are quasi-medicinal on other sites as well. Like for example, lotions or shampoos or toothpaste. But increasingly, more and more medicines specifically need prescriptions. and these are medicines we are used to buying over the counter at a local pharmacy without a prescription which i'm sure every listener of this podcast in india has one within walking distance of her or his home the reason for the prescriptions are because authorities are increasingly breathing down the necks of the online pharmacies and asking them to ask customers to upload prescriptions and so on The reason they are breathing down their necks is because the offline pharmacies the ones within walking distance are raising hell about these online guys from what i can see their protestations seem to be working and will continue to by the way almost every pharmacy in walking distance of my home in mumbai also delivers home and they even discount the prices on some drugs sometimes so the question of course is whether there was a business case at all and ever or maybe it does not really matter when you set up a business that's essentially taking on a well entrenched system that was never crying for reform should someone have thought that through and some long term vision global lens major carl zeiss is investing 250 million euros to build a spectacle lens production facility in bangalore which apparently will be the german company's largest vision factory in the world a senior executive told the mint newspaper 
Construction will apparently start next month on the land procured two years ago and is expected to be completed by October 2024. Once the facility is operational, we will be able to manufacture 260,000 lenses every day, the company said. Now, Zeiss India is not new to India. It employs over a thousand people, has three production facilities already, an R&D center, global IT services, and about 40 sales and services offices in almost all tier one and tier two cities across the country, according to the company. And before I go, here is a message from M. Kiran Kumar from Bangalore I got on LinkedIn yesterday. Kiran, who began his career in the Indian Air Force and now works for an aerospace company, writes, I heard the podcast first a couple of weeks back and it's already part of my morning routine. I like the varied subjects that you pick and the discussions that you have on these topics with experts. Thank you very much. You're doing a great job. Best regards, Kiran. Thank you, Kiran, for your encouraging words and do write in to me with any feedback on govindraj at thecore.in. See you tomorrow in the morning and have a great day. This was The Core Report with me, Govindraj Ethiraj. Do stay connected with more of our coverage at The Core. You can check out our website or sign up to our newsletter at www.thecore.in. That is www.thecore.in. Or follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook as well. Now, we would love your feedback on how we can make business more interesting and relevant to you including our reporting on India's vibrant manufacturing sector. Write to us at feedback at the core.in. Thank you for listening.